Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the I'm Wrong, You're Right podcast. It has been a little while uh, since our last episode. It's been even longer since I was joined by my faithful co-host, Tony. Tony, how how is it going? Pretty good. Um, obviously, we've both been a little busy uh, with things going on outside of this. But um, yeah, now we're ready to get back into it with some Packers talk. Yes, that is right. It has been since the last time we've recorded. There's been there's been a lot of different changes, including the world, you know, ending up on fire. Right. So it's nice to take a little it's nice to take a little break and focus on something that really isn't meaningful whatsoever. But we still love right. it. Take a step <laughs> back from life. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's necessary. It's necessary. And speaking you know, of so that break that we were talking about, you mentioned that the NFL draft. um happened or at least the first round started on thursday i believe it is it is it still going on no it ended yesterday it ended yesterday so the packers have completed packers have completed their draft and i mean really the big news to come out of it was who the packers selected with their first pick in the first round and i fully admit again that i don't really follow college football too closely and when it comes to the draft i usually i kind of get more annoyed than anything else because it gets made into such a huge deal and it usually, I mean, I feel it takes, you know, a couple of years before you can really judge a draft before, like, how successful it is. So with that being said, though, the first pick that the Packers used this year created a bit of a firestorm. So why don't you give the people a little background tone on what exactly went down? Uh, so obviously, for anyone that followed, knows that the Packers actually moved up in this draft. Um, and for the one position, they moved up three spots, if I recall, right? Yes. So they moved from yeah. 30th to 26th and they gave up a fourth round pick in this year's draft, I believe. So really that's all they gave up. I mean, they swapped with the dolphins, I believe the 26th and 30th pick. And then they got, they gave up their fourth. So they s- selected Jordan love out of Utah state. So again, it's a position that, and the, imp- and the important, right, the important thing to note is that, He's a quarterback, and that's that's what's causing all of the consternation. Right, and I mean, from my point of view, I mean, I I understand the pick, but I think where the anger is is that there were other positions that you needed to fill before you went and drafted a quarterback. So I've been kind of hee-hawing as to does the pick make sense or doesn't it? Obviously, we're not going to know for another four or five years, but I to really be judgmental in this just because we did the same thing with Aaron 15 years ago. So I'm really going to reserve my judgment as to the makeup of this pick for another five years, really. Right. And that's, yeah, I mean, you're going to, you have to admit there's that component to it. And I'll talk about, I'll kind of play the devil's advocate in a little bit. But my, so I guess one of the things that I wanted to kind of ask about was, the bit, if going into the draft, what were the biggest needs the Packers had in your estimation? Well, I mean, if you went from a strictly team, I mean, just based on the last game last year, your biggest needs were, I mean, I guess you could argue was wide receiver, and one mm-hmm. of the linebacker positions, either inside or outside, most likely inside, just because you got destroyed by the San Francisco running game. Like you had no one that could either stop the run up front or chase any of these guys down. So really those were the two key positions that you needed to address. And really in this draft, 
in particular, it was so stacked at wide receiver. Like, you could have gotten a decent wide receiver within the first three rounds, you could easily say. So that was really the biggest, you know, question mark as to why they didn't take a wide receiver at all in this draft. Um, Unless they plan on making a move uh, leading up to the season or during the season to get, you know, a high-quality wide receiver, um, unless they just plan on developing guys still. But, I mean, that that was their biggest need. And then, obviously, linebacker has always been a need. This team has needed a decent linebacker for a decade almost, it feels. So... Well, it was supposed – I mean, it was always supposed to be – like, A.J. Hawk was supposed to be that guy because he was the fifth pick, I believe. You know, he was going to be the anchor of the defense. He was from a Big Ten school. And from that point, I mean, you know, the Packers – I mean, they've definitely gotten a couple of linebackers here and there that have, you know, occasionally panned out to a certain extent. I mean, Clay Matthews probably has been the most successful, you would say, up to a, up to a point, but he's no longer on the team. So – and I guess with the wide receiver – you know, I I guess the question is, you look at the success the team has had since Aaron Rodgers has come in. You've got a Super Bowl appearance. You've got, you know, multiple, multiple consecutive playoff appearances. You've got division titles. You have, what, three or four appearances in the NFC title game. So I wonder, you know, from the perspective of management, I guess I wonder if their question is, well do we need to invest in that position? Like, can you invest in that position? Is it worth it? Or do they just continue to have faith in their wide receiver development program? Which, I mean, for the most part has, I mean, you, we always say that the Packers can take substandard wide receivers and make them better. Like, do you think that's what's going on there? Well, I think that's what they're doing is they're going into the season. They're saying, okay, with the guys that we have, who wants to step up? I think that's what they're saying, but at the same time, you already know what a lot of these guys are about. Like, none of them have – no one really took a leap forward last year. I mean, unless I'm mistaken by something, because if they had, we would have been better. So, really, from that standpoint, I think it's – I think the incentive for those guys are, like, upper management is saying, look, we believe in you guys, and this is your chance to step up now, but if we feel we need to make a move, we will, and go out and – uh, trade for someone. I think that's the way they're going to look at it this year. Well, and it's kind of eerie how it, this is almost the exact situation that happened with Favre back in the day when they selected Rodgers. Favre was notorious for wanting more help as a chance to win, and Thompson famously, you know, never really provided that help. And, you know, if you want to make the argument, you know, Favre never won another Super Bowl with the Packers and Ted Thompson. Rodgers did. Rodgers was definitely the benefit. But, you know, it's almost the same situation here where you could have argued there was a much greater need than quarterback. And I guess here's where, you know, I, I'm not a scout. And I, have, I hate, you know, reading the opinions of people that say, well, this quarterback could be this, this quarterback could be that. Because quarterback in the NFL is one of those positions that you would just have no clue how it's going to turn out. I'm convinced there is no secret sauce. Otherwise, you know, are the, for example, are the Bears really that bad at scouting? that, you know, they passed on Mahomes to take Trubisky. I can't believe that, you know, different – there may be some teams that are better equipped to pick people like that, but I can't believe the gap is that big between the different franchises. So, you know, putting aside whether or not Jordan Love will actually be good, let's get into 
kind of what the devil's advocate argument would be for why this was uh, like not just a bad pick, but an incredibly inefficient pick. Could you kind of sum up why some people are saying well, that? Well, realistically, it's because you look at, I guess, some of the quarterbacks in today's league that are, I mean, I guess I wouldn't say like first round talent, but they you've found deep quarterbacks in the middle rounds. I mean, you could look at Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott. I mean, they're, they're, unless they feel that this guy is like, I guess I don't want to, but if you, if you think that he's like Patrick Mahomes, would you take a chance on him? I mean, I guess that's the question they'd ask, they were asking themselves going up to this, this pick, where it's like, if you think he's going to be that good, you give up, you know, really a fourth round pick to go get him and then develop him. For most likely replacing Aaron. I mean, that's the only reason why you do that. But, but yeah, and, and that's yeah, but that's and that's where the problem comes into play. And I, I mean, I I did not come up with this argument, and it was really my brother that kind of laid it out. But I mean, you basically have two options here. One is that Rogers is still really good for a couple of years, and Jordan Love sits on the bench. The other timeline is basically, you know. Rogers gets mad, retires, wants to go somewhere else, and then Jordan Love, you know, comes in. Uh, sorry, folks, maybe a little abrupt jump there. Had a little technical glitch. Uh, so, Tony, you, you tell me that the last time I was talking, when I dropped out on you, was you know just discussing the contracts between Rogers and Love, and essentially, you know, the inefficiencies that they are. Because if you have Jordan Love as a backup making rookie money that's the time to try to win a super bowl with a franchise if you're going to have a young quarterback rogers if he continues to play well they will still keep him and he'll still be making that money so really the argument is from the other side well why did you draft a quarterback then if this is what you're going to do right and i mean i understand it from you know i guess that standpoint but i I mean maybe they're looking at it from a the scenario where okay if if we do feel love is you know the next franchise maybe we can sign him in his extension to less money than what we would pay you know those higher tier quarterbacks like from the perspective of you know what Kansas City paid Patrick Mahomes maybe you can sign love to that while he's in his rookie contract and then you know kind of have him under a decent salary for the next eight years from rookie contract to first extension where then when that happens you can still go out and get those you know players that normally you can't get uh when you're paying you know one guy 25 percent of your salary yeah i think that's really that's the only that's kind of the only justification that the team could make is that if you really think he's the next guy that you just hope that he sits behind Rodgers for a while. Because, I mean, Rodgers, you know, contract and far, that did all work out okay in the end. You know, he kind of, he ended up getting a prove-it deal. I guess it's just, you know, the modern-day NFL would argue that you're not going to win a Super Bowl with the 30, unless you're Tom Brady, you're not winning with the $30 million quarterback. You got to win when they're young and those rookies come into it. But, I mean, it's not to say that, you know, Love isn't going to be a good quarterback. And I suppose that's the next kind of biggest problem is that, you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily convinced that he is that guy. He's got the tools, but so many quarterbacks have had the tools over the years and just can't put it together. And if I'm going to be honest, you know, 
to chances of going from Hall of Fame quarterback to Hall of Fame quarterback. So I would say even going from Hall of Fame quarterback to very good quarterback is pretty rare and unprecedented as far as I can remember. Yeah, because I don't think that's ever happened, ever. I mean, um, the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame thing has literally been, you know, I mean, if Andrew, if Andrew Luck had kept playing, he probably would have, he probably would have made it. So I'm thinking eventually uh, Montana Young is the only comparison that I can think of. But San Francisco traded for him. So, I mean, they didn't really draft him. So Right. It's true. So, I mean, it's, un, it's unprecedented territory here and, you know, Young coaches, young offensive-minded coaches like to have quarterbacks that, you know, basically Lafleur, I'm sure, is thinking of this as an opportunity where he is going to be able to shape this quarterback to how he wants to play. And I'm sure there's definitely, you know, some issue. I'm sure there's issues between Rodgers and Lafleur in terms of trying to make this offense work, which is ironic because, you know, Rodgers kind of was asking for it. You knew that he wanted somebody else. So, you know it's kind of one of those things where there's probably a lot more going on the scenes than we realize. Right. And who knows? I mean, maybe if this season starts off horribly bad, they might trade Rogers and say, we're starting over now. Right. I mean, that would be, it'd be, I think it'd be tough to trade him given his cap hits, but you never know. Like you, you know, there's kind of these rules in sports that you think a contract is untradeable until somebody actually goes and trades for it. So, um, so that's kind of a that's going to be a long wait and see process here. We haven't heard from Rogers yet what his response is, as far as I'm aware. Uh, do you have any, do you have any other thoughts on like the rest of the draft? Um. Well, they did take a running back in the second pick, so that's that what, one seemed even that one almost seemed worse to me. <laughs> I I mean I I that one I still understand too. I just don't know why they drafted a running back so high, just because last year. You know, after Jamal Williams got injured, I mean, you had Aaron Jones and that's it. And he's not a durable running back. So from that perspective, I, I understand the pick. I just don't understand why you did it at such a high position. I mean, at such a high pick. That's the only thing that I don't understand. Well, and apparently, you know, he's a running back that was projected to go undrafted. So I, you know, that's, you know, again, there's lots of projections that don't turn out to be true. But that one is pretty messed up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the the tight end after that, I get. And then, I mean, really the picks, you know, three or the third round all the way to the end, I understand. Because I know they took they took a couple of offensive linemen. They did take a linebacker, uh, I think a defensive back, and then an edge rusher for everything else. So, I mean, those picks I, I understand. Right, I mean, those picks, those picks make more sense, and – and I said, you know, basically once you get out of the first and second rounds, my attention span drops off, you know, dramatically. You know, usually I'm vaguely interested in who they pick in the first and second rounds. But after that, you know, I mean, again, there's going to be players that are impact players that come from those rounds. I just think you have no way of predicting, you know, who's it actually going to be. You know, you got the guys like, you know, Mel Kuyper who talk about, oh, I love this. I love this pick for the Packers in the sixth round. You know, tremendous value. This kid's got right. upside. It's like you don't freaking know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a that's an easy job to have though. Is you know, you're you're not a GM, you're not any of you have any you have no ties to a team. But I mean, if you're wrong on a guy, well, like, who cares? I mean, exactly. I mean, all you do is make big boards for the 365 days a year, and that's it. I mean, really, this is why the NBA draft is truly the best because you know, 
you know, I mean, the NFL draft has this too, where you know the players in the first round are going to play, but the NBA draft, you just get a sense of there's, unless it's a quarterback, and even the quarterbacks that get drafted, you know, really high don't always pan out. And I guess it's the same for the NBA for some of the, you know, the top three picks, but generally, you know, if you get a guy like Zion, you just know, okay, he's good, you know, he's going to do something special. And, and, you know, Major League Baseball, hockey, they'll draft guys, and you won't see them for a couple of years. And that's that's a problem for their drafts. Right. But, again, like, you can't – it's hard to knock, you know, in in the middle rounds of the picks because, I mean, you do find good players there. Uh, I mean, they say that that's the, the real building blocks of a team is those middle rounds. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how this all pans out. Right. I don't like, yeah, the, the gradient draft immediately after it happens is foolish because, I mean, you know, drafting Rodgers at the time, you know, I'm sure the rankings on that draft weren't the highest. Even if Ted Thompson, you know, did a really good job with the rest of his picks, which I'm pretty sure he did in that draft. If I, you know, I haven't done the research on that in a while, but he, you know, it's, you just don't know. People at the time would have graded the Rodgers pick probably pretty low, but look how it turned out. I mean, that was an A draft because you picked a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. And I guess maybe circling back to the why they picked Jordan Love, it's almost seems like they're trying to rebuild and be ready for the future because realistically the position that they're in right now is because of Ted Thompson, because of how horrible the last few drafts he did were that they really had no good building blocks um, at this point. So it just seems like they might be getting ready to build for the future and unload Rogers. It just has that feel because again, if you were really all in this year, especially the way the NFC is, the NFC is way more difficult than the AFC, especially now with Tampa Bay. I mean, you would have thought they would go out and get a wide receiver or a decent Mm -hmm linebacker or something like that so it just almost feels like they're in the next I dare say this year next year you might not see Aaron on this team it would not be surprising I mean it wouldn't be surprising if he just retired as well he seems to be the kind of guy that says you know why am I putting my body through this it's too difficult and leaves so it will be interesting to keep an eye on of course we don't actually know we assume football will be starting back up at the normal times but we don't even know that so some of these draft picks might have a while to go do you see a scenario where New England goes after Rodgers? Uh, no, I think, I mean, New England might try to, but I think Rodgers, I think, I don't think Rodgers would really mesh too well with Belichick at that point. And, you know, and Bel- and I think the Patriots would also argue, you know, the reason that they were okay to move on from Brady was, you know, you go cheaper, you have some flexibility, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have that if you traded for, because you'd have to trade for Rodgers at this point. It's not like, you know, you could just sign him as a free agent. So I don't think they would go after him necessarily. I think if the Packers were ready to move on, that maybe he would just move on. Or maybe he's got that chip on his shoulder, the, you know, the Rodgers goes to Chicago type thing. <laughs> oh, God, no. Let's not imagine Let's not imagine that. No. But, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see a scenario where they're they're realistically building a team in the future to be around Jordan Love. And then once Rodgers is close to being done with his contract or they feel he's ready, they might unload him. Because you did that with, with Rodgers too. I mean, look at who he had 
heading into that Super Bowl season. I mean, he had Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Michael Finley. I mean, all of these star-studded players that were right there ready to go when he stepped in. But they were, I mean, but they had been developed for a couple of years, you know, like Favre had really but that's Favre what I'm had saying. gotten a chance to help, yeah. That's what I'm saying is that you're getting these guys now to develop with Rodgers, and then once that time's done, they're already ready to go, and then you just insert your new quarterback in, and you just keep going from there. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's the hope that you have to have as a Packer fan that this is how it works out. I mean, again, it's a wa- is it, it's, you know, is it a waste of a pick, in my opinion? Yes, it is, but is it also going to... You know, I sit there and I say, did you really miss out on value that much? Only time will tell. So, right. you know, so the drafts, we'll have to wait on that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and switch sports and do a little bit of uh, reminiscing. So we will be right back on the I'm Wrong, You're Right podcast. Okay. All right. So I'll just count us back in. <clears throat> switch over to Jordan. Three, two, one. We are back on the I'm Wrong, You're Right podcast. It's Jeff Petterbuck along with Tony Ferrari. Just uh, finished talking up some of the Packers selections in the NFL draft that happened this past week. And now we're switching gears entirely to something that for, you know, pretty much all sports fans have been dying to have some kind of something to talk about as a group for the past couple of weeks that we've been in the, in the corona pandemic. And that came last Sunday. With the early release, I should add, the early release of the first two episodes of ESPN's The Last Dance. And The Last Dance is a documentary that was pulled from footage taken during the the last championship season for the Chicago Bulls. It was Jordan's last year with the Bulls. And they granted permission for a film crew to come in and film everything for a year. And they did that. And that footage basically remained on a DVD in the vaults of the NBA for years and years, but it's finally being released now as a 10 part documentary. And uh, the episodes have been getting released gradually tonight. There's going to be two more episodes, three and four, but last week we had episodes one and two. And I guess my first question, Tony, I mean, first off, I know that, you know, this was something my family, I know that you did. And a lot of other people were watching this live, which is, you know, for a documentary or something like that, that doesn't happen very often. And so I guess I want to know your thoughts on the first two episodes. What did, what have you taken from those first two episodes? Uh, that the Le- LeBron-Jordan comparison isn't even close. <laughs> I don't even I, – I think that, again, for me, I mean, I'm only 32. And, I mean, I, I remember the Jordan time. But I know there are a lot of people nowadays that mm-hmm. you know, they, they talk about Jordan, LeBron, and they never even seen him play. So they, they lean more towards LeBron. But, like, Jordan, the, the fact – the killer instinct is what puts him above LeBron, like, yes. tenfold. The fact that he is – I mean, if you just take LeBron and Jordan and you put them, their physique and, you know, their stats and everything up against, the killer instinct is what separates him. By yes. It, it, it's not even close. And then just watching those highlights just shows you how great he was. I mean, it's insane. If he had, yeah, I, I agree. It's the, it's the intangibles with Jordan that really, you know, and I hate to, you know, do the intangible thing because, you know, stats people would definitely say, well, you can't really but it, prove that. But, it's, but, part it, it, but it's part of the game. Exactly. It's part of the game. And it's been widely established. That is the reason Jordan was so great. His will to win and his will to dominate was 
miles above anybody else. And again, he played at a time with a lot of Hall of Famers. I mean, not to say that LeBron hasn't played against tough competition as well. I mean, he has, it's true. But Jordan, you know, for the majority of the NBA at 50 players, I feel looking back on it, you know, there were so many from the 90s that he beat every time with the exception of one series, you know, against Orlando when, you know, he had just come back from baseball, which in my mind almost, you know, doesn't count as losing since it was still so fresh. You know, he beat everybody. And you're right, watching the highlights, there's something about and you know it's not it's not LeBron's it's not LeBron's fault because LeBron is he's a, just a bigger guy you know so he's got you know the build of like a power forward and the stuff he can do with that body is truly amazing but Jordan had that fluidity that is just I mean again you I could watch those highlights over and over and over again and the sheer skill because they play the game so differently now you know Jordan Jordan made his bones on the mid-range jumper. You watch highlights now, you know, LeBron's not taking mid-range jumpers. He's driving to the hoop or he's taking, you know, threes, which is how the NBA is played these days, right? I mean, that's, and I'm not, I'm not holding that against him. I'm just saying that for Jordan, you watch, it's the little moves. It's, it's the footwork. It's the fadeaway jumper. It's the athleticism, you know, when he drives to the basket, not being as big of a guy, but still finishing. It's, it's been, it's amazing to watch. Yes. And I mean, I feel that had he not taken those two years off and then had they not wanted to blow the team up there at the end, they could have easily won 10 championships in a row. Like they would have won the entire decade of the 90s. You know, I've, and I've, I've thought about that a lot because, you know, with this documentary, it kind of, you know, it's been coming up a lot of Jordan and Paul's talk. I think it's interesting. I think that what would, have, what would have happened is I think they would have, you know, probably would have, you could argue they've, they've gotten to eight. I think they would have gotten to eight rings with all that was said and done. But I do think that in the middle, there would have been a loss to somebody. Cause even Jordan, I think even Jordan had limits in terms of, you know, he was getting burned out when he retired that first time. Now there's, you know, there's the theories about that being tied in with the gambling, but there was no doubt that he was, you know, mentally, emotionally, and physically burned out. I think they would have lost at some point, but you also have to take into consideration that if Michael Jordan loses, you know, in a finals, holy mackerel, does he come back with a vengeance? And then they probably rattle off four more. So I definitely think they would have won more titles. Like I think they would have gotten to eight because they won six, you know, maybe they win four in a row. They lose the next year and then they rattle off, you know, four more or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, after 98, I think the Spurs won their first title in 99. And it was a lockdown. I mean, it was not a lockdown. It was a lockout year. So you almost have to throw that year, you know, that doesn't count as a real ring. Right. And then after that was when the uh, the Lakers started there. So, and what really gets me is you know that I think it could have hap- it could have kept happening was there was a link that I sent you and um, Mike not that long ago that was a clip of like you know Jordan's highlights as a wizard and it was some guy defending Jordan's play when he came back to play for Washington and Jordan's stats at the age of you know like thirty nine and forty we're still really good. I mean, obviously, was he as good as when he was younger? No. But you could have, if he still had a decent team around him, he was doing great. Right. Even and... as a 40-year-old going against all those young guns, 
Jordan was still Jordan. Right, and that's the thing that and plus with I mean you can't compare I know people want to compare, you know, like what Tom Brady's doing to Jordan. It's just basketball's way more physical. So I mean you can't really compare it in longevity between, you know, football and I mean I Well guess no, it's... and Brady and Brady's playing in the era when we know more about, you know, and that's that's the argument for Jordan winning more titles as well is you know, or if you took him and put him in today's NBA, you know, the science and the, you know, the physical therapy and, you know, the amazing training staffs that these teams have, if you give that to those players from the 80s and 90s, who knows what they could do? I mean, like Magic and Bird were doing all that, playing, you know, with lousy sneakers on old courts, you know, with flying, you know, commercial. You, you think about all the things that modern NBA players get. If you were able to take, those guys from the past and put them here. I mean, Magic and Bird would still be Magic and Bird. They would just be able to play longer, most likely. Right. But, I, I mean, I'm interested to see where they go uh, these next two episodes as to what they dive into. I know Rodman is the – I believe he's the fourth one. He's the focus of the fourth episode. So, is the third – what's the third one going to be? I don't know what the third one's going to be about. I mean, the way that they're kind of going through it, you know, they had a Scotty thing. I wonder if maybe they focus on Phil – Phil a little bit now potentially, okay. but so I'm I'm curious to see as well. But I mean, I mean, and the footage the footage is great, and apparently, you know, we see a lot more of the behind the scenes footage as it progresses. It's so far it's been a mix of, you know, just archival footage, new interviews, old interviews, but it's so well done. And I've learned some things. You know, I didn't know when Jordan broke his foot in his second season that he basically went, you know, to back to UNC and practice and rehabbed on his own till he was healthy. I didn't know that, or I didn't remember that Pippen demanded a trade in that final season. So I'm learning stuff as well as getting to see, oh my God, Jordan was the greatest. Or the fact Scottie Pippen was so underpaid. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that I kind of also didn't realize he was, you know, the 122nd highest player in the NBA, highest paid player in the NBA. But it, I mean, just the amount of money he was getting was just crazy for being really the second best player. I mean, you could say in the NBA. The stats nerds definitely would be going crazy for that deal today. Like that would be the greatest contract, you know, in history. I mean, they even said at that time it was. <laughs> yeah, you don't get better value than that. No, which unfortunately is what kind of started the implosion. Right, and that's you know, and that is the problem. Yeah, Pippen went on to Houston, and then eventually Portland, and the whole team broke up. But you know, we'll we'll kind of keep up with it as the you know as the. Um, documentary goes on you know we'll come back with some more episodes to talk about our feelings uh but for now tone you know it's good to be back good to be talking sports again even though there's no sports going on it's still fun to be talking sports uh do you have anything else you want to close with or no not really i'm just i'm ready to watch sports again i guess (laughs) whatever form they come we'll be looking forward to it so for this episode of i'm wrong you're right this is jeff clutterbuck and tony ferrari And we're wishing you guys continued health, you know, stay at home, stay healthy, and enjoy enjoy the podcast. All right. Bye, everybody. Later. Hey, everybody. It's Jeff just jumping in here super quick. Unfortunately, had some technical issues right in the middle of the recording, so... 
I roughly am starting around the same point that I was discussing and Tony helped bring me back into it, but just wanted to give you a little heads up that there's kind of a random jump here. So enjoy the rest of the podcast.